And I looked up at God and I said, you know what? What do I want? And I said, what I want is I want to wake up happy. I want to wake up not hating my ex. I want to wake up and raise my daughter the way that she deserves to be raised. And God, you know what? If you have to take all of this shit that I've accumulated, then go ahead and take it because I want to start over. Like I know what I want and I know what I got to do. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I'm still here. Welcome back, everybody, to the Redemption Road podcast. I'm your host, Doc John, here on Redemption Road. We are talking to high-performing individuals and hearing about their life hacks and strategies so that you can learn from them and step into the person that you were always supposed to be. Today's guest is an experienced father, a businessman, an educator, and a coach of high performers. As an entrepreneur, earned his first seven figures by age 25. And he's always challenged society standards of what should be normal. He's got a solid record of ingenuity, overcoming adversity, crashing through barriers, and rewiring limiting beliefs. So this gentleman leverages three decades of experience building successful businesses, family, and freedom through discipline, consistency, and eliminating exclusive. Helps you get extremely crystal clear on exactly what you want so you can have ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction in your life. This gentleman has a passion for building better individuals, stronger leaders, unstoppable teams, and smarter youth that can dominate and have a positive impact in every area of life. And he exists in the coaching space for one re one reason only, to serve and build, and basically, you know, because he cares. And uh, I am so excited today to have Dan Hall. Dan, welcome. Thank you for being here, my brother. Doc, I'm excited for having me my man i've been looking forward to this this uh this conversation all week thank you all right well let's delve in well since the theme of this podcast is redemption road uh i like to hear from everybody about some of the struggles they overcame because i think it's important for everybody to hear just because you see someone who is performing at a high level now doesn't mean they haven't been through their struggles and i think being able to learn from those struggles and see that uh, some performing at that high level, they might have started at a difficult, uh, gone through difficult times and started at a lower point or whatever. And so it's very important that they be able to hear what you've been through. So I'm going to open it up to you, Dan, and let you talk a little bit about some of the difficult pitfalls and take us back maybe towards the beginning or the earlier stages in your life and talk about some of the more difficult times that you've gone through and uh, how you got through them and overcame. Yeah, sounds good, man. So if we go that far back, I mean, I'm a dinosaur now, but <laughs> we could go all the way back to, uh, we'll start out with, I was, I never had a silver spoon in my mouth. I was never given anything. And it's certainly not a poor me story, but I really didn't grow up much different than uh, a lot of people. Okay. Well, we had a small family, grew up in a small town and mom and dad divorced when I was two. Um, so my real dad, actually, I, I never met him until much later in life, but mom was quick to remarry. Mom worked three jobs at times and I grew up in, I guess your average standard American household, um, didn't get along too well with my stepdad and long story short, by the time I was 17, we had really had enough of each other. And after several fist fights, I decided, you know what? Uh, there's got to be something different. This is not a life I want to live. 
So I moved out at 17 and I'd remembered my mother saying, well, what are you going to do? And my answer was simply, I'll figure it out because what I'm not going to do is this anymore. So you know exactly what you didn't want right off the bat. Yeah, that's it. And it, it started with the decision to do something different. So we got out, uh, we got a roommate, we figured it out. And from a young age, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, always been into different things. Um, so I grew up in the electrical field, starting out when I was 14, I had a, a mentor take me under his wing. And, uh, you know, I worked for him out of high school for a while, and I became a medic. I was a medic for 17 years as well, alongside of that. And, uh, you know, as I was younger, I still, I was always chasing money. I think all young men are, are wired to a certain extent to achieve something. And maybe back in my generation, that was the thing we saw, we saw the stuff and that's what we wanted. Uh, so early on, that was, that was one of the focuses, you know, in my mind to be successful, I had to achieve more, have more, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think gave you more drive than the other people? Because I think, you know, a lot of young men want those things. I mean, they, they see them, it's in front of them, it's in the media, it's in, in the, I'm going to date us a little bit in the magazines. I don't know if anybody even reads magazines anymore, <laughs> but uh, you know, they, they see all those things, all these tangible things, um, glitz and glamor and everything else, but uh, not everybody has the consistency, the, the drive to actually do the work. So what do you think enabled you to have that drive to actually take the steps and do the work? Because a lot of people, especially that young age that you're talking about, they don't have that drive. They're still interested in, you know, hanging out and smoking weed or whatever it might be. What do you think was the difference for you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was one lesson. I was seven years old and I remember this lesson very vividly. Uh, the one great in, well, two great influences I had in my life growing up were my grandparents and uh, my grandfather ran a little hardware store in this tiny little town. Uh, I think the population back then might've been 5,000, but he served a lot of the farmers and so forth. So I grew up around these people understanding what work was. And I remember specifically grandpa and I, one day we had gone out and we were doing errands for the business and he had stopped into this one shop. It was like a lawnmower shop and there was power equipment and grandpa had to get something, but whatever he was getting, I remember walking by and they had four wheelers there and there was this red four wheeler, really nice. And I'm looking at it and my grandfather had come up to me and he says, Hey, do you want that? And you know, seven years old, I was like, hell yeah, I want that, you know, thinking, Hey, Gramp's going to buy this for me. Right. But uh, what I didn't know is Gramp had another lesson up his sleeve. He looked at me and he says, you can have it. And there was a pause. Of course he said, all you got to do is work for it. You can have anything you want. So from the time I was seven years old and I didn't know it then that equation locked into my mind. Okay, if you want it, you can have it. You need to work for it. Simple. And I carried that right through my teens uh, up into my 20s until the time I was 25. And I decided I wanted something. I worked for it. And I got it by the time I was 25. And life took another turn then. So, so from early on, you learned it's possible. you got to put in the time. It's empowering. There's, there's work involved, but it's possible and the ball's in your court. You develop that internal locus of control right off the bat. 
I love Very that. possible. When you love when you set your mind to it, uh, the mind is such a powerful tool, as you understand. Uh, anything's possible. And uh, oh, yeah. by the time I hit 25, it was it was seven figures. And I thought that, okay, hey, I made it. This is the American dream, right? Had the stuff, had the house, had the cars, had the the stuff. Except I wasn't happy. And was I was missing like, at that time. <laughs> well, I was like, wait a minute. I'm not happy. I got all this stuff. What the hell's going on? Like, what's next? And so I kept working more and I kept making more, thinking that was the answer. And that wasn't the answer until finally uh, I was with a wonderful girl at the time. She would have done anything for me, but enough was enough. She was like, hey, um, I'm not happy. And I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Like, we've got this stuff. Like, you've got this. You've got like, I thought you were good. And she was good until she wasn't because as it turned out, I wasn't the partner that I needed to be. I didn't love like I should have. I didn't know anything but doing business and chasing money. That's what I was good at. So uh, I lost that relationship of 11 years. And that was my, my daughter's mother um, because I was selfish. I was the typical male that was full of pride because I'd experienced a little bit of success and nobody was telling me nothing. And, uh, you know, that was really the first barrier to deal with. It's like I had it all, but then I lost what mattered. So it was, it was different. So what did you do at that point? I mean, that must have been a difficult thing to, to hear, and I'm sure very shocking. How do you pivot from something like that? It sounds like it blindsided you. <laughs> yeah, it did blindside me, man. And if I'm being completely vulnerable, um, turned to alcohol for a while. I went out. I threw darts with the guys. I was at the bars. And I thought, well, you know, whatever. It's just that's the way it is. That's stupid, you know. And I was still full of pride until I, I realized I was miserable. And I woke up one morning and I had a 40 caliber handgun on my nightstand. And I was like, you know, I'm not happy. I don't know how to get happy. I've had enough of this shit. I'm pissed off. I'm miserable. Like I'm done. And for whatever reason, it, it was that point when I looked around at all this shit that I've accumulated and I looked up at God and I said, you know what, what do I want? And I said, what I want is I want to wake up happy. I want to wake up not hating my ex. I want to wake up and raise my daughter the way that she deserves to be raised. And God, you know what? If you have to take all of this shit that I've accumulated, then go ahead and take it. Because I want to start over. Like, I know what I want. And I know what I got to do. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, I'm still here. And it was at that point that I found my first coach. After hitting rock bottom. I found my first coach and I says, man, you know what? And I use the three most powerful words on this planet. I need help. And uh, that turned everything around. That, that started a journey that uh, I'm 11 years into now. And despite the hardship there, I wouldn't change anything. You know, there's a reason they say pride is one of the deadly sins. I mean, it was it's something that I went through. I mean, gosh, I mean, you discovered 11 years ago. And for me, it was back in 2019. It was four years ago when I was too proud. And, and you know, this this resonates so much with me because I realized that I needed help with certain things. And I always, you know, I tell everybody I hid behind uh, being a shrink. And, you know, I felt like I couldn't be vulnerable. I couldn't admit any, you know, I had to be 10 feet tall and bulletproof and have all the answers and have it all together because, you know, can't show cracks in the armor as a shrink. And, you know, that's, uh, 
when you try to keep that up, you keep that mask up, it's, it's exhausting. And it just, it really makes you deteriorate after a while. And um, you, you try to have that pride and everything else. But like I tell a lot of my clients, you get to the point where it's like, okay, you know, you want to look like you have it all together. You want to look like you're right, or you want to be right, or do you want to be happy? Yeah. And, you know, that's what I had to ask myself. And so hearing you talk about that, it's definitely, I definitely, definitely resonates. And I'm sure definitely a lot of the men listening, a lot of the people period listening can resonate with. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the one thing is men were programmed to, to hide it. We're programmed to keep it all in. I was programmed that, that I was successful. How could I, how could I have any problems? That was impossible, but I had to come to terms with the point that, you know, I, I did have problems. I did need help and I didn't know it because I was too prideful to see that. And oddly enough now, uh, Kelly, Kelly is my ex's name and we have a better relationship now than we've ever had. We're raising a girl that is uh, incredibly successful and happy and loved. And here's a kicker doc. Um, she's a psychologist. So no kidding. <laughs> she says to this day, she says, man, you know, I couldn't figure you out back then. And, and I still can't. Because there's the old you, and now there's the new you, and like there's this entire dynamic in between. And I was like, that's that's how we're supposed to. That's how life is supposed to progress, though. We're not supposed to be the same person we were, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty oh. years ago. We're oh. supposed to grow and and learn. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you always have to be growing. You always have to be getting better. If you're not getting better, you're you're getting worse because the rest of the world's going to change around you. And so, for sure, yeah, definitely have to be progressing forward. So your, yeah. your first coach, uh, what, what were the, what were the things that you're, the first things that you learned that really helped to change things around for you as far, whether it was coping or tools, like what, what kind of tools did your first coach give you? Yeah. So he first, uh, his first question to me was, what do you want? Now it's a simple question, but I even find that when I work with men, that's a, that's a, I'll get a very vague answer. Yep. That's you know, all I want. I asked my, my clients too. Yep. It's. It, it sounds simple, but it's actually the hardest question in the world. Yeah. And uh, what do you want? Well, I want money. I want happiness. Okay. What does it look like? I mean, what does it really look like? Well, you know, I don't know. I want a, I want a Corvette. Okay. Why do you want a Corvette? You know, why, 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 why? Like five times deep. Why? Until you drill down to the point where they're really uncomfortable, which is what I needed. You know, so he said to me, he said, what do you want? I said, well, I've already figured that out. I want to wake up happy. I want to not hate my ex. I want to not carry around this anxiety and this animosity. And, you know, the fact is, if if you would have talked to either of us back then, she wouldn't care if I got hit by a bus and I wouldn't care if she got ran over by a propane truck. That's how bad it was. And I said, I don't want that anymore. He says, OK, cool. Here's what you're going to do. He goes, uh, you're going to let her know how much you love her. And she's a good mom, right? I said, yeah, she's great. You're going to let her know what a wonderful mom she is. And I'm like what i don't even like anything her. but that <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm not doing it right give me something else and he gave me a bunch of shit and he really beat me down he says listen he goes i'm working with you because you want the same result i got right and i says yeah i want that result he said all right you got to do the work and i'm like well shit i don't want to do that give me something else like anything but he's like no here's what you're gonna do and i'm like <sighs> so reluctantly i started this whole process of uh, telling my daughter's mother that I loved her and I appreciated her and uh, I thought she was a wonderful human being, which she is. That's all true. I just didn't really like her at the time. And this went on for probably a year and a half. 
And over the course of this year and a half, I wanted to throw the towel in like 30 times. I'm like, all right, enough. Like, she's not responsive to this. It's not going my way. I don't want to do it. Give me something else. He goes, no, you got to keep doing this. After a year and a half, she finally stopped messing with me. And she was like, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe he's real. And the whole time my coach told me, he says, you know what? You're not doing this for her. This is for you. Yep. You want to wake up without the hate and the anxiety and the animosity. You're doing this for you, dude. And I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Now I'm on board. And here I am 11 years later. And the truth is I'm actually on board. Like, yep. I love that woman. I respect her. She's an awesome mom. You know, we are two different people, 180 degrees off. But uh, the fact is way back then, and probably still to this day, she would do anything for me. It was me that screwed up. And when a man can look in the mirror and say, you know what? It's nobody else's fault, but yours. And then deal with that. I mean, that's a turning point. Absolutely. Because it also empowers you. If, if you know that you were in control of what went wrong, you also realize you're in control of making good outcomes too. You're your own agent of change. That's why the ownership is so huge for everybody. Love that. Yeah. And not only that, but I'm thinking, I mean, as a, um, how old's your daughter now? She's 11 now. 11. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, as a, I have a 16 year old daughter and a, and a 14 year old son. And, um, you know, and just hearing what you've been able to do. I mean, when you've got that kind of relationship with their mother as in your co-parenting, imagine what that does for your daughter, having you yeah. guys have that kind of relationship rather than being at odds or, you know, because yeah. it doesn't always happen that way. You know, sometimes, you know, you get parents in different camps and they're saying negative things and your child gets caught in the middle of it and, you know, it ends up being toxic and it's very uncomfortable for your child. And so when you yeah. guys have that amicable relationship now, it's, it goes so much further for your daughter and she doesn't get caught up in that. And she's able to focus on what 11 year olds should be doing and being successful right. and uh, doing the amazing things that she's doing. It's true, brother. It's true. It's, uh, you know, I don't think kids necessarily, we don't give them enough credit. Okay. The thing with kids is they're very observant. They pick up on everything. They don't care what you say, but they're going to pick up on what you do. And, you know, as men, as leaders of the family, whether you're a blended family, whether you're a divorced family, whatever it is, as men, you really need to control that. You got to control that outcome. It's up to you. It's not up to your ex. It's not up to your wife. Um, kids are watching what you do and they know, they know if you're full of shit. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they can see through everything and they're more perceptive than you ever realize that they are. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about behavior and actions. I mean, you can tell them everything, but it's, it's a matter of what you show them in the end. That's, that's key. Yeah, for sure. Very sure. cool. Very cool. So what are the most valuable tools? I mean, you, you not only have you been able to change your life with this, but you're passing that knowledge forward now. Talk to me mm -hmm. about the valuable tools that you're sharing with the people that you coach, because, um, you know, it's nothing's better than hearing it from somebody that's been through it. And so I know you're, you're helping a lot of men now. Um, helping them to perform at a high level, helping them to be leaders, helping them to, you know, be disciplined and take ownership and be responsible. So talk to me about how you go about uh, imparting that message to them. Really, it's about, it's about what they want. 
Okay. I don't align with everybody. I really don't. Um, if we can figure out what they want and it's moral, it's ethical and it's respectable, then let's go get it. Once we figure out what we want as men, as women, we need to know what we're going for. Otherwise we wake up in the morning and we're just doing the same shit over and over again. A year goes by, two years go by. And let's face it. When do we really evaluate what we want? Okay. It's once a year, new years, mm -hmm. new me. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to get, I'm going to do all this stuff. And then the next year goes by and nothing, but to get clear, I knew, I knew early on what I wanted and I had to have that, uh, that destination. And then what I would do is I would, I would draw the map. I would work backwards. I'd say, okay, if this is the outcome I want, what do I have to do to get there? Reverse engineer. So it's like, yeah. And it's like, wow, that's, that's so much work. How am I going to, and most people will start the process and then give up because it's too hard. But too I find that chains, when you too many chains, uh, links in the behavior chain. Yes, there is. There's all these links and it's like, how do we get there? And it really comes down to breaking it down. Okay. If I want to be to this place in one year, what do I need to do this quarter? What do I need to do this month? What do I need to do this week? Man, that the whole week, that's a lot of work. Okay, cool. What do we need to do today? Like when I wake up today, what are the three tasks that I need to do to put myself someplace different a year from now? Three critical, so, measurable tasks. Yep. Critical, measurable tasks that you can wake up, you can actually do, you can put a check in that box to say, all right, that's done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's black and white. So you take, did it or you didn't. Yeah, it's about taking action. And then the second thing is really it's, it's consistency. Mm -hmm. And that's where most of us fail. And I have to, uh, we don't see the results we want in a week or two, or let's say with your health, even a month or three at the gym, we don't necessarily see the results we want. So we say, ah, it's not going to work. We're done. When in reality to change a physique, to change a behavior, to change a mentality, it's going to take 90 days to a year to change that habit so the consistency sure. is huge oh yeah and uh, habits it's a couple months i mean it's, it's at least 66 days sometimes more right and i really think it's we can simplify this okay it's it's define where you want to go execute on the tasks do it consistently and then the last piece of that is discipline mm -hmm. and and what is discipline that's i define it like this it's doing the shit that i don't want to do when i don't want to do it mm -hmm. And if we can recognize that, that, hey, I really don't want to go to the gym today. I really don't feel like telling my my wife that I love her because I'm angry at her. Well, too bad. You know what? Doing anyways. And when you can develop that habit, it is literally that simple to achieve anything that you want. That's you know, we overcomplicate things yep. as humans. And that's when the best results happen is when we do the things that, you know, when we're not feeling like doing them. You know, it's, it's times that's when the best learning happens. I, you know, I've said this over and over again lately, you know, the, you know, the studies show that the times when we learn the most is in times of the most uncertainty. So it's that time where you don't feel like doing it. The time where you feel uncertain or it doesn't feel natural, but that's where the learning happens. That's where the growth happens. Yes. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. Good stuff. Good stuff. So how long have you been coaching other men now? Unofficially, probably seven years. And interestingly enough, I didn't know that, uh, this was really a calling and I tried to, I tried to avoid it. Certain people get dropped in your path along the way, whether you believe in the universe, whether you believe in God, whatever your belief is, certain people get dropped there. 
you may help someone, uh, you may develop a new relationship, whatever the case is, I believe that everybody comes into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. I think we've all heard that. Sure. And I love to see results. Um, I love to see somebody change for the better, change a habit, or just make a 1% change that, you know what, a year ago, they were in a totally different place. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're headed down the path and you just do a one degree change, it's going to put you someplace completely different a year from now. Sure. And whether it's with men or women, that had happened for me several times. And I was like, nah, whatever, nah, whatever. But what I found is that with these simple practices of execution and consistency and discipline, doing the shit we don't want to, like we get results. And it's literally that simple. But like I said, we overcomplicate these things. And when we're in the middle of that, you're in the middle of a divorce or maybe uh, you lost your job, whatever the case is, your mind is going a thousand different directions. How do you make sense of it? I, I believe that very few people have the ability just to stop and say, all right, let's simplify this. Yep. So that's where, that's where coaching comes in. I mean, uh, whether it's, I believe we can learn something from everyone. Indeed. So pick someone that is where you want to be, has gone through the struggles that you have gone through, and they have results. Pay them to coach you. Exactly. You and can knock, you can take your learning curve from 15 years down to five. Right. And that's the thing, you know, talking about the pride earlier, once again, I mean, if you put your pride aside and you ask for the help, I mean, that's years of your life that you're not wasting, banging your head against the wall, you know. Trying exactly. to reinvent the wheel, but you know, figuring it out on your own, mm-hmm. or you can ask for help and copy what works and steal like an artist, as they say. That's it. That's a good read right there. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, there's there's no there's no sense in reinventing the wheel. Um, we comp- we overcomplicate things, and when we do, we find excuses mm-hmm. to justify our own shitty behavior. Right. And that's the thing with this. It's about learning to recognize those excuses and say, you know what? No, not today. Right. I'm going to do the work today. Right. And I think, you know, another thing, important thing for people to keep in mind too, along those same lines is don't be afraid to ask the person that has what you have or has overcome what you have for help. Because a lot of times I think people think, oh, well, they're not going to want to share their secrets. The master's not going to want to share their secrets, but the right people in this world are going to have that kind of abundance mindset. They're not going to look at you as competition. They're going to have that abundance mindset and want to help other people. And they're going to realize that there's plenty, plenty of success to be had out there for everybody. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want to help you. And they're going to want to have the satisfaction of helping you. And, you know, someone who is really winning at life, they want to see everybody win. And so I think that's, that's true. Keep in mind too. Cause I I think they're oftentimes afraid that, you know, if I ask this person, he's going to think I'm in competition, want to steal his secrets. And I don't think it's necessarily that way. No, no, I think you're right. You nailed that because I've found in my experience that anybody that's truly successful, they want others to win, you know, and if they don't want you to win, they're hiding something, they're full of shit. They're lying to themselves. They're just, they're not authentic or they're not real. There's Mm -hmm. something underlying. So people that are truly successful, truly have happiness, truly are self-aware, they want to give back and they're looking for opportunities to do that. Yeah. Um, so I would say as a, as a young entrepreneur, as a young uh, husband, as a young father, you know, look up to the men that intrigue you, look up to the men that maybe have what you want 
and uh, ask them how they did it. Um, there's there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help and they want to share their secrets, but they're not going to seek you out because they don't know maybe what you're struggling with. Right. So um, a lot of resources out there to help out. And the answer is always no, if we don't ask. Exactly. Exactly. I read a book by Pat Croce, the old uh, owner of the 76ers. And he used to say that he's a very successful businessman. And uh, he said, uh, worst they can say is no. If you don't ask, the answer is already always no. So very true. So one of the things I know that you have, uh, have done very well with your businesses is, you know, and I think a lot of people would aspire to have the same is employ a, a great culture in your businesses. You know, you, your leadership is definitely an area where you excel and you've put a great culture into place. Uh, talk to us a little bit about, you know, organizational culture and how you've been able to do that. Cause I'm, that's something that I'm always fascinated with. And I mean, the culture you have in the business is everything in terms of how you motivate the people that work for you and, um, you know, the accountability. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, what you have in place that's worked best for you. Yeah. Good question, doc. Um, I'll start by saying I wasn't always great at this. I wasn't even good. Okay. We're, I'm probably 27 years into my oldest business now, and I was not always good at this. There's two ways to lead. One is by power and the other is by force. Now by force, which works well with me, um, as somebody that is high energy, intense, I need other men that are strong to figuratively grab me by the throat and say, all right, here's what needs to be done. Like, like I need that. What I failed to realize is that not everyone responds that way. And especially... You know, even if they are on my team, they don't all respond that way. Everyone is different. And I can't go around and say, all right, listen up, motherfuckers. Here's what we're going to do and expect it to be done. Right. Um, some may respond, some may not. Few will, few will respond, okay? <laughs> the <laughs> other ones are going to be like, whatever, dude. Like, piss on you. Right. So the fact is... um, we go right back to the basics again. And whether you're in business or whether you're in a marriage or we're or a father, what do you want? And then you link that to what you believe in. What do you believe in as a person? What are your values? And I would encourage anyone, if you don't know what your values are, get a sheet of paper out and sit down and figure out what's important to you. Because if you don't first know that, you can't carry it into your business. Your business needs that, your employees need that, your team, your organization, whether you're part of a, whether you're running a business, a volunteer organization, you're part of the community, you're on a board. What do you believe in? Okay. 100%. If we don't know that, we can't hold standards to that. And I always had, had core values in my business. I knew what we believed in, but they were in the back of a company manual, you know, kind of out of sight. And you get the company manual and you're expected to read it and you're expected to understand it, but it doesn't quite work that way. So core values carry over from your personal life into your business. What do you believe in? What that does is it helps to attract the people that resonate with you. And it will also repel the people that don't. Right. In terms of core values, you hire, you fire, you promote you discipline 
And what that helps to do is eliminate the, well, he likes, he likes this person better than that person and the feelings and the, the emotions in the business. We can eliminate that. We can say, no, here's our six core values. Here's what we believe in. Now, how do I measure up as the owner against those values? As an employee, how do you measure up? And as the owner, even when you put core values in place, it's going to take a while to take effect. Some people will like them. Some will not. Some will quit. You will have massive turnover. Mm -hmm. But the one key thing to remember is they're watching you. Right. Okay. You put these core values out there as, as the business owner, as the leader, as the husband, are you living them? Mm-hmm. I mean, are you really living them? Because the thing is, we're all going to screw up and I do too, but it comes down to how do we handle that Right. when we screw up? So once your core values are in place, once you got your team that's on board, you better be transparent with them. And when you screw up, you better sit them down and say, Hey, I screwed up. And by the way, here's how we fix it. Here's how I'm going to fix it. Yeah. Taking ownership. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, that goes for families, businesses, whatever. It can be applied anywhere. And taking ownership is is huge because mm-hmm. especially in corporate culture, if it doesn't go the way it should, we start to point fingers. Nope, it was sales. Nope, it was marketing. Nope, it's the install crew. Nope, it's them. You know, and we know how most corporate cultures are. <laughs> that doesn't do anybody any good and then nothing gets solved. Exactly. Exactly. Extreme ownership. And then on top of that too, Doc, I believe it's it's about empowering them. I mean, okay, so what do you want? Here's our core values. What's the vision? What is the mission? You know, what are you trying to do here? Like when I come into your business as an employee, I want to know how I can fit. Can my dream fit inside of yours? Do you have a big enough dream, a big enough mission that I can be like, yep, I want to get on board with that because I know where we're going. Mm -hmm. And I know that when we get there, I'm also going to benefit. Right. So as that business owner or leader, are you casting a large enough vision? What's your dream? You know, do people believe in you? Are you authentic? Because if you're not, nobody's going to follow you. Absolutely. You know, that's the thing. It's like what John Maxwell says, you know, the three questions they ask, you know, when they're looking at you as a potential leader is, do you care about me? Can you help me? Can I trust you? Right. Right. And that goes back to the original part. You can lead by power or force. And if you lead by force, most people don't respond well. And they're going to think that you don't care. So know your people, know what's important. Let them know that you care. And I mean, you got to really care. You can't bullshit that. People are smart, as you know. So if you really care about them and you really care about their mission and take the time which is tough for a lot of leaders because we're a thousand miles an hour, mm-hmm. like a freight tram all the time, like feelings and this, like, nah, we're just going to go. But no, you actually have to stop the train, get off the train, look around, see what's important to them and actually care. There's no way around that. I believe there's absolutely no way around that. Yeah. You definitely do have to take the time and get to know each and every one of them. And that's, I think that's extremely important. I mean, you know, I know of, you know, if you look at guys, you know, that are coaching in professional sports, I mean, the guys that are really successful coaches, I mean, I mean, when Dick Vermeil was coaching, I know they talked about, he took the time to get to know each and every one of his players 
you know, from the first string guys to the guys that were playing special teams. I mean, he took the time to get to know each and every one of them. And in doing that, you understand what motivates them. You understand what communication style works well with them. And, um, and it, it's, it's incredible. And because, you know, everybody's reinforcers are different. Right. And, right. And you know, and you know who you can trust with more responsibility and you know, who's going to respond to more challenge. And, you know, some mm -hmm. people, you know, it might not be because the reinforcers aren't big enough. They want, might want more responsibility. They just want, they want the challenge. Who can you trust with more, you know, who can you load up more and you know, they're going to respond well to the challenge. Who's going to crack. Right. right. And I believe too, as, as you grow as a leader, people will be put in your path to test you. Okay. I'm very fortunate now in that my team, I have a team of, of men and women that are very mixed. I have people that are like me. I have people that are highly emotional. I have ones that are very sensitive. Um, they all need something different. And a good leader, a truly a truly great leader, knows how to deal with each personality individually. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that that we're born with. We're not born. Nobody is born a leader. That's acquired over a period of time, and a whole lot of mistakes. Hundred percent. A whole lot of mistakes. But if you're not willing to make those mistakes and step up, and uh, admit those mistakes and adjust and move on and try again. Um, you'll probably stay stagnant. The best leaders are willing to fail tens of thousands of times and keep going. hundred percent. And you know, that's the thing people think just because you see that leader that's polished mm -hmm. and has all the skills and seems to have all the answers. You think they've never failed, but you know, a lot of people, you know, whether the lead, you know, they're leaders, the people that are at the top of their game, top of their field, whatever else they've, They've probably failed more times than they've had success. You just haven't seen it. It's not publicized. Yeah. I mean, they don't make statues out of you when you fail. It's not, it's not a, you know, mm -hmm. it's not as visually salient to everybody, but it's happened. And, you know, but yeah. they, they just keep going. And, and that that's the other thing I think, you know, as a, as a leader and everything else, I mean, you just have to, what separates the haves and the have nots, I think is you stick around long enough to collect on your investment. And that's, that's a lot of people aren't willing to do. Right. Right. Never quit. That's, <clears throat> there's nothing I'm, there's nothing special about me. I'm not smarter than the average dude. I'm not, uh, I'm not more educated. Nothing. I just don't quit. I do not quit. And uh, as a result, I keep learning. Like I'm a lifetime student. I will always learn. I will learn something from everyone I meet, mm -hmm. you know, whether they're 20 years old, whether they're eight years old or 98. And that's the beauty of life. I mean, when you're open to that kind of education and those experiences, they will, they will manifest themselves for you. And, you know, the saying is that, uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will arrive, mm -hmm. you know, but not until, and I yeah. found that to be true. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a lifelong process and, you know, I, I know that's another thing I went through a couple of years ago as well as, you know, I went through all the years of schooling during my twenties and, you know, getting the fancy degree. And I, after a while, I didn't want to see another book or anything else. And then you realize that you can go stale and go stagnant real fast. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, back in 2019, I started picking up books again and reading and it was just, you know, once you start doing that, it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing because, you know, Goggins talks about how there's no finish lines in life and, and, you know, in a way there's not really any true graduations either you know, when it comes to your education, you got to keep going right. and you keep learning, right. you know, there's no age limit on it. And I don't care who you are. There's always more that you can learn to get better. I mean, 
You know, yep. Michael Jordan, who was the best basketball player of all time, he still had Tim Grover to help yeah. him things to get better, you know, to yeah. improve upon what he had done. And so and that's what separated him and that's what made him the greatest. You know, yep. it's just relying on ability. It's, it, you know, you can constantly learn new things. You can, you know, get new tweaks and everything else. And so it's, uh, it's being better than you were yesterday. Like you said before, that 1%. Because 1%. Yeah, one point zero one to the three hundred sixty fifth power ends up being about thirty seven and change, and that's yeah. a two thousand plus percent improvement at the end yep. of that year. If you do the math, exactly. So exactly. That's, that's as a numbers guy, that's always been a powerful statistic, if you will. That that I mean, if that doesn't uh, point out the importance of being consistent and making the small one percent shifts daily, I don't know what does. Exactly, I think it's important too for for your audience to hear this and that is everyone has a story okay and the funny thing is while our stories will differ among all of us what i found the further i go through life is that we all go through the same things in one way or another very few people talk about them but get out there and share your story because you're going to help somebody now it could be it reminds me of a time where uh, one of my businesses, we do standby generators. It's not an exciting product. Um, I enjoy it because we help people. We help them with their preparedness, with their comfort, with their peace of mind. So one of my clients, we were installing his generator and he says to me, he says, you know, I just, he says, I don't understand how you do it, how you work with your hands, how you know all these tools and these codes and you're a true craftsman. And like, he says, I could never do that. Like, I just, I couldn't. And I look at this guy, his name is John. I go, John, I go, uh, you know, I appreciate that, but he's a cardiologist, right? I go, I'm not a cardiologist either. Like I couldn't do what you do. We all have gifts. Okay. Mm -hmm. We all have stories just because this guy's story might seem more intriguing to you, or you might even think that your story doesn't matter. Like you're going to learn something from everyone. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I was kind of like, here's me, you know, in the trades, like what I do is not exciting. It just comes second nature. I could do it in my sleep. And there's this cardiologist. It's like, man, I'm like, I'm almost envious of you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, wait a minute, but I'm not you either. I didn't go through everything and put in all the dues that you did to get to where you are. I'm like, that's intriguing too. Sure. Both services offer value. So exactly. And that's the importance of surrounding yourself with a diverse array of people too, you know, um, don't just surround yourself with people that do the same thing you do. Surround yourself with people that uh, have different skill skill sets, different knowledge, you know, that, right. can, that you can learn from, that can challenge you. And, you know, they, they can help you grow so much as well. And that's, that's what I love about the networks that we belong to is, you know, I meet people like you who have a completely different skill set and knowledge set and everything else, but we learn from each other and, you know, right. we can help people and, um, sometimes help them at the same time in a multidisciplinary approach. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's inc incredibly powerful. The power of environment. Absolutely. I, I believe that we can all be successful on our own, but when you put yourself in the right environment, that's really like next level stuff. That's when you start to get challenged and, you know, let's face it, we'll be honest. It, it gets uncomfortable. At least it does for me. You know, I know when I'm outside my comfort zone, maybe, Maybe those men or women are, are doing better, maybe financially, maybe in their marriage. 
Uh, but I know when I start to feel that discomfort, I know that I'm in the right rooms. Yep. You need to be there. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they, they say if the goal isn't, uh, doesn't scare you, it's not big enough. So if Very uh, true. it's not scaring the shit out of you, at least a little bit, then, uh, yeah, you're not, uh, you're not aiming for enough. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Talk to us about what you're working on now. What, uh, what, what, what new goals, what, uh, new territories, what, uh, what, what are you aspiring and working towards right now in terms of upcoming year or two? Oh, brother, there's so much. Uh, you know, business is what I do. It comes second nature. But what's really important is is my family, as it should be. Um, I've learned to put them first. I've learned to put myself first. So that said, I mean, I still want them to succeed. I want them to win. So I invest into my family. Um my 11-year-old daughter took two gold medals in national karate uh, competition this year. She's on her way to Worlds uh, in 2023 in July. That's incredible. I'm going to continue coaching her and her team. Um, overall, it's just to uh, it's to make an impact. Make an impact at home, make an impact in my community, and actually care. You know, it's been so tough for me in the past going 1,000 miles an hour working on business and building this and building that and rah, you know, like I've had to ask myself, I look in the mirror and I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, you know what, despite all the other stuff, like, did you actually care today? And did they know like whether it's your family, um, the people that work with you, your team, your organization, like, do they know that you actually gave a shit today? And did you make an impact? Because you might agree with this, but, everyone we interact with everyone when i interact with you today doc like i'm gonna make you feel something yeah like we make people feel something now how did how did we make them feel and we've got i believe we got to be conscious of that you know so as far as with you yeah you know that's one thing i'm working on i'm i'm trying to be more conscious of how how i make people feel how i leave them i want to leave them better than how i found them um yeah i I love that and because it, you know, just every, every conversation you have, it's a transaction and it's, and I think of it as an energy transaction and, you know, you can be an energy giver and add energy to that person and that person can walk away feeling more full, or you can be one of those people that is an energy fucker and basically take energy away and be that person that yeah you walk away from them and they're like, Oh my God, he fucking <laughs> exhausts me. Yeah, you know, and th- you know, there's two types of people, and so, you know, my my challenge to myself every day is to be, you know, with each conversation that I have, you know, is did I, did I add energy, did I, did I give energy to that person in that transaction, you know, and it's not necessarily right. one gives one doesn't, maybe they give each other energy. It's not like, you know, mutual yeah. exclusive. You know, we talk to each other, we both give each other energy, but right. did I provide? Did I add energy to that equation? Right. And so, and then I I think the, it's that, and I think it's, it's presence too. And Mm -hmm. it's, um, you know, when, when I'm with that person, they know I'm really with them, you know, am I giving them my undivided attention? You know, right. Being present. The best quote I ever heard was when they asked, uh, and I, I wish I could remember who it was. They, they asked this, this guy, he said, they said, who's the most important person in your life? He said, the person I'm with right now. Right. 100%. And I think that 
it's definitely a skill doc. And I mean, you have to, <laughs> in your field, I mean, that's really a skill that you have to master is being present in that moment. And, uh, for entrepreneurs, I think that's hard. Um, we really have to be conscious of that, you know, whether it is with a client or with a family. Um, I teach it this way in business. I teach my people that business is typically transactional. Okay. You think of it as a transaction and a lot of times it's a, it's a win lose or it's a lose win type of transaction. And I said, you know what, we're going to eliminate that altogether because when we do business, it's going to be relational. Okay. And these relationships are going to be win-win. Mm -hmm. And if they're not win-win, so we win and the client wins. Mm -hmm. If we can't create a relationship that fosters that environment, we're not doing it. Right. You know, and what does that mean? It means, okay, well, you know, maybe you'll hire me to do the job, but you want it at a price that's lower than I can do it for. And you know, I do it because I feel bad for you. Well, that's a win-lose. Mm -hmm. Or you want us to do the job, so you overpay us. Well, that's a lose-win. We want it to be a win-win. We want to offer enough value so that it's a win-win. We want to know that, you know, when we leave there, we've got a relationship or we're working to build a relationship that's going to last 20 years. Sure. You know, I don't care about the transaction. It doesn't matter. Mm. You know, I want that relational for 20 years because that's where real businesses are built. Yeah, I, I love that. And it's, it reminds me of a quote of uh, another gentleman I had here on a podcast. Uh, you probably know him, Steve Gamlin. And mm -hmm. we were talking about relationships and, uh, you know, whether it's a relationship in business or marriage. And, you know, people talk about marriage being 50 50. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, it's 100 100. Yeah. Yeah. You think about it that way. Yeah. It's a game changer. That's true. And I mean, I would challenge the men too. I mean, that's why I like to challenge, but I would say, listen, if you're frustrated in your relationship or your marriage, again, go back to the mirror and you got to ask yourself this one question. You got to say, did I do my best today? Because I would bet that if you're frustrated in your relationship and you ask yourself that question, and if you're truthful, the answer is going to be no. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We ask ourselves that question. We answer no. And then we figure out what we got to do to do better the next day yep. and start. I love that question. Along the same lines, I always tell, tell my people and like, ask yourself, are, are you proud of what you accomplished today? Are you proud of what you did when you're yeah. hello night? Are you proud of what you did? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you can't say yes, then that's, that's where we got to get to the drawing board and evaluate. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, back to your original question too, we had talked about what does it take to be successful and, I coach on the four pillars that a lot of people are familiar with mind, body, business and relationships. And I believe that there's no such thing as balance. Okay. But we need to figure out a harmony between those four because it's like four legs on a table. Mm -hmm. If you go ahead and kick one of those legs out, the table's going to be unstable. If you kick two of those legs out, it's going over and it's going fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's pretty tough to get that table uprighted when you remove two of those components. So, 100%. you know, naturally we'll be stronger in one area over the other mm -hmm. throughout life, but it's important to keep that in harmony and be aware of where each area is and where we can improve too. And I, you know, I think it has to vary depending on what stage of your life that you're in. Like you said, you're never going to have complete balance at any one moment of time. You know, mm -hmm. you've got the, if you're doing that, you got 25% that, you know, that you're devoting to each one and 
that's not going to give you very great results in anything. You know, it's like Tim Grover says, you know, if, if you look at a scale and when a scale is in balance, what's the value on the scale? Zero. Right. And that's zero results, zero fun, zero fulfillment, zero anything. And so, you yeah. know, having balance at any one point in time, I don't think is good. I mean, that, that gets into the whole topic of multitasking too. You know, it's like when at the start mm -hmm. of Gary Keller's book, The One Thing, he talks about how, um, you know, he says that there's no Russian proverb. It says, if you attempt to uh, chase two rabbits, you will catch neither one. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and, and when you're, when you're trying to be balanced, you're trying to chase too many rabbits and you're not going to catch any of them and you're not going to get the results you want in any of them. So there right. might be a time where you have to delve more into your relationships and pour more into those. There might be a time where you have to pour more into business. There may be a time where something happens physically and you got to delve more and uh, put more uh, efforts and energies towards getting your body right. I mean, it just, right. It might look like a graph, like a zigzag graph. Um, you know, in the end, it might all average to being balanced, but at any one moment right. in time, you're just you're not going to have that. But I agree. Yeah, there's there's seasons for everything. Because, uh, you know, unfortunately, too many folks, you know, they might be successful in business, and but uh, yeah, if things aren't going well in other areas, I mean, it's like the old phrase goes, you know, things are struggling at home. No amount of success is ever going to make up for failure in the home. Yeah. So, uh, if uh, yeah. I know, I know you know that from the story you've told us today. I know that from my own personal experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you can have all the money in the world and all the success, but uh, yeah, if, if things at home aren't in the right place, yeah, you're you're not going to be happy, and you're there's always going to be something missing in your life. It's number one is uh, well, number two. Number one is self love, belief, believe in yourself. Number one comes first. People tell me that I'm selfish for that, but if my cup isn't full, I can't pour into my family. I can't pour into my spouse or the kids or any of my uh, organizations or businesses or anything. So, um, the king eats first. The king eats first, and as a king, man or woman, what whatever, I would question your routine. What does it look like? First thing when you get up in the morning, you got some you time. Do you take care of you to get yourself ready for the day? Mm -hmm. Or do you hop right out of bed and jump into taking care of everyone else's needs? Mm -hmm. Because there's a difference and it's just a subtle change in behavior and habits that can make you into an entirely new person by taking half an hour for yourself in the morning yep. to, uh, to get things under control. And the second thing is have your house in order. I mean, if your house is, is not in order, you'll be no good at business. You'll be no good at volunteering or giving back or family. Mm -hmm. Um, your house has got to be in order. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, we have to prime ourselves for the day. You know, we have to have that morning routine. I mean, that's, that's absolutely huge. Um, you know, you, if you just taking those little time, you know, that little bit of time doing those little tweaks and you can address all those four areas you talked about, you know, the, the relationships and business and mind body. I mean, you can address those sometimes within a half hour, an hour, get mm -hmm. up before everybody else and do those things. And it's amazing the difference that it makes, you know, by the time you go into work, and you've touched on all those areas and you're so much, so many more legs up on the next person who rolled out of bed and was busy taking care of everybody else and rushing into work, spilling their coffee all over themselves and all flustered. Yeah. And you're yeah. ready. You're primed. Yeah. You've done that routine and uh, it, it makes all the difference in the world. And like you said, you know, people would argue it's selfish, but my response to that is it's not, it's just to the contrary because 
in doing this, you're giving the world the best version of yourself, mm-hmm. not giving your, the world the best version of yourself. That is selfish. Right. Right. The only thing that we can, we can count on, you know, no investment <clears throat> is a hundred percent. No investment is a hundred percent. That's what we're told to believe. Okay. And I, I challenge normalcy. So what I would encourage is think about this. There is an investment that returns 100% and that's you. Okay. And a lot of us have a hard time spending money on ourselves or investing into ourselves. And that could be a haircut. It could be a weekend away. It could be a coaching program, uh, a mastermind group, whatever it is, there's free things out there, but are you taking the time to invest? Because if you're not, you're not going to be any further ahead. And a lot of times this is the benefit of a coach. They can help us see things that we can't. Um, when you and I wake up in the morning, we jump into our routine, which we've done. We think is great. We get some results. Everything's going good. A coach is looking at us from a 30,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, where are the holes in your game? A good coach is going to find the holes in your game. He's going to put them up on the whiteboard and we're going to figure out how to get around them, how to get through them and how to plug those holes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the the things that I've always leveraged is that even in my business, I can tell you of, uh, I think I got things pretty well squared away. It was probably a year ago. Business coach comes in. He says, hey, how about we make this one little tweak? And he increased my revenue by about 18%. Hello. One little tweak I didn't even see. He's like, hey, your processors are down. Da, 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 da. You're doing this. We're going to make this one tweak. 18%. I was leaving it on the table because I didn't see it. Yep. So, um, you know, that's the whole where the whole goal, asking for help thing comes in. I mean, you get somebody else's objective view, and that's it. And then learn to follow it, execute yep. on it. Yep. You know, if you're going to pay to invest in yourself, don't just go to the seminar and get rah rah up and be like, all right, I'm rah. And then come Monday, it's like Do the same shit. Yeah, you always did. <laughs> whatever, I'm back to the same shit. No, not go attending the seminar that does not get the job done. You have to, you know, and I and that's one of my biggest pet peeves is you know, the, the consumers, you see them at every personal development seminar, every mastermind meeting, and you know, they're reading every book and everything else. But if you're not creating anything with it, it's just, you know, you're wasting right. your time, you know, just attending the seminar and manifesting over it. That's just not going to get it done. Yeah. You, unless you follow through and create with it. I mean, just you know, like one of my old coaches said, you can't be an asshole. Don't go ask for the advice and then don't do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny that uh, <clears throat> we go back to business and really it's about, you know, choosing your team and making sure your values align. Um, we recently had one, one individual who says, oh, I'm, I'm frustrated because like, I understand the plan. I understand where we need to go, but I'm frustrated because I can't get there. And I says, okay, you know, let's look at what you're doing. Here's the process, A, B, and C. Did you do A? Yeah, I did A. How about B? Yep, I did B. How about C? Well, I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. Okay, you don't want to make the phone calls. Well, no, what else can I do? Well, that's why you don't have the result because the formula is A plus B plus C equals results. You're doing A and B, you're not doing C. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, is it, do I have to do C just because you say so or no, you have to do C because that's what works. 
Right. Like if you want the result that I have, the result that I continue to get, literally here's the formula, A, B, and C. Anyone can do it. And if you look around, your coworkers are doing it. You know, so, you know, that, that really comes back to as an individual, if we want change, if we want a result, we got to look in the mirror again right. and say, all right, how bad do we want this? Right. How bad do we want it? Because it's going to be uncomfortable. Hiring a coach is uncomfortable. Having somebody tell you what's wrong with you is uncomfortable. But how bad do you want that result? You either want it or you don't. And there's people on both sides of that fence. And you got to understand, especially in the example you just said, uh, details matter. People think they don't, but details absolutely matter. Yep. You can't cut the corners and you can't take the shortcuts and you have to go through the hard roads. I mean, that's that's where the results happen. You know, when you start taking the easy route, that's when you're going to come up short. Right. So, well, I need to be respectful of your time. Um, and uh, I also uh, wanted to have you introduce uh, you, myself, and uh, Eduardo Gomez del Casal are have a little joint venture going on. Uh, I'll let you tell the audience a little bit about uh, what we're, we got coming up here in the spring. Absolutely. Listen, I don't want to give away all the details or, uh, Give away too much. March 18th, May. March, May. Help me out here, Doc. May. <laughs> May. May 18th through 21 in Tampa. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to have at least three great coaches who will help you in every area. Mind, body, business, relationships, fitness, nutrition. If you are a man, if you're an executive, if you're a father, if you're a husband, um, we are okay. And let's face it. Sometimes we get stuck. Sometimes we might be in a rut. There are times when we get frustrated. Let's not bullshit ourselves. Um, us included. Absolutely. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a retreat in Tampa on those dates. We're going to help you work through those things. We are a group of men who has been through it, who has realized success and we're still students ourselves, but we're going to help you out. We're going to help you get through that rut, um, whether it's something you're struggling with um, financially, in your business, with your health, um, in your relationships. We're going to work, work through those things. We're going to take three days. We're going to blow it right out of the water. We are going to open that wound up. We're going to root around inside and figure out how we can fix it, how we can help you, and then ultimately build the roadmap that if you follow it, you will be in a completely different place next year at this time. And that may be a place of happiness, fulfillment, love, joy, less stress, free time, whatever you want. We can make it happen. I'm confident. We got a great group. Amazing. It's going to, it's going to really be incredible. It's going to be transformational. And like you said, uh, gentlemen are going to be leaving with the blueprint. They, you know, for what it is that they, that they're seeking. And, uh, and it's not just going to be a one and done kind of thing because, uh, you know, this is going to be a brotherhood of men that are going to keep each other accountable, not just at this event, but in the weeks and months and years afterwards, because after you leave one of these events, oftentimes you go back to, like Dan was saying, you leave the seminar and you go home and you, you know, it's Monday and you do the same things. And, you know, our group is not going to let that happen. We keep each other accountable and we're going to make sure that you're following through and doing the things that you say you're going to do because, 
you know, it's having that credibility with others, having that credibility with yourself. I mean, that's going to allow you to have the confidence and the uh, self-worth that you need going forward. And so going to be a powerful event that, uh, yeah, if you're a man, you're not going to want to miss it. I'm not, I, I don't care where you are in your life, where you are in your process. Um, yeah, we're all going to be at different points in, in the process at this event, but, uh, you're, there's going to be people that you can learn from. There's going to be people that you can help and, uh, yeah, it's going to be unforgettable. Yeah, Doc, I'm excited, and we've got a great lineup. But, guys, you know what? It's really – we're going to bring you some nuggets. We're going to give you some lessons, some techniques, some real tactical stuff you can use in your life. But the real power of this group is going to be in the connections, in the group, in the brotherhood, and in the accountability. It's not just us. Hell, yeah. Hell, yeah. Dan, where can everybody find you, my brother? Facebook, at Coach Dan Hall, Instagram, at Coach Dan Hall, or connect with Dan.info. Excellent. Thank Dan, you, brother. Can't thank you enough for being here today. This was amazing. All right, folks, if you got something out of this, if you glean some nuggets, please go ahead and share the show. Go online, leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. Get out there, put this into use, and make it your mission to go and make the lives of somebody else better so everybody have a great rest of your day we'll see you soon love you guys